My guest today is Kevin Herring. Kevin is founder of Ascent Management Consulting and a recognized expert in team and business unit turnarounds. He's creator of the 90-Day Turnaround, a unique program for building great leaders and transforming any work group into a highly engaged, high-performing team in just 90 days. Kevin is a consultant, executive coach, published author, and keynote speaker. He's been published and quoted in Forbes, CFO, Talent Management, Workforce, and HR Executive, among others. Thanks so much for being here today, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. There's been so much conversation around team building and, you know, the great resignation and, and all of this, you know, with productivity and whatnot, that I think this is a pretty timely topic um, that, that we're going to be exploring. So talk to me some about performance. Is, is it simply a matter of skill and will, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, there absolutely is a lot more to it than that. And I, I appreciate the question. We, in so many HR circles, we uh, talk about employee performance in terms of just a, a question of skill versus will. Are they motivated? Do they have the skills? Um, you know, what is it that holds them back? And it tends to fall into one of those two categories. The reality is 80 to 85% of performance is determined by the system that people work in. They simply don't have a lot of control over um, what occurs in the, in, in the work world. And uh, what happens is people come to work. And you think about it, if you, you have a new job, you're going to go work for a new employer, you're excited about the opportunity, you always, almost always have expectations that this opportunity is going to be better than the last one. You expect that your, your boss is going to support you. you. You expect that you're going to have resources and uh, the wherewithal to bring your expertise to bear on problems and, and, and the work and be able to create and engage at high levels. And just you expect a, a great experience or certainly a better one than you had before. But what happens? Those expectations one by one uh, end up not being met. People find that they don't have the support from the boss they expected to have, or maybe the resources they need to to do the job just really aren't available or they just don't have control over them. Somebody else has control and they can't access them. They can't access the data or the people they need to meet with or other resources, equipment, and so on. And uh, little by little, they become demotivated. And that's what we find from uh, researchers, David Wetton and Kim Cameron, that, that demotivation is a learned response. And over usually within the first year of a person's time in a company, uh, they've pretty well determined how, uh, how well that job is going to work out for them. And they're either highly engaged and highly motivated, or they're pretty much uh, demotivated and sometimes even becoming cynical. So, so skill, yes, you have to have the skill to do the job. Will, uh, well, that, there's a lot that goes into that. And most of it has to do with the system that's been created by the leadership. I just think this is so valuable. I even wrote it down. Demotivation is a learned response. That's, that's critically important for leaders to understand. Absolutely is, yes. <laughs> wow. So what, what holds leaders back from turning around performance? Is it that they don't realize 
that they're they've created that environment? What is going on there? Yeah, there are, I would say two primary reasons. One is that um, what really holds leaders back is their stance about people and their awareness of that stance. And it's interesting that I've had quite a few opportunities to meet with leaders and ask them uh, what, you know, what their stance is about people. And I ask, what is it that um, you believe about people? Do you believe that they're generally um, dependable, uh, self-motivated, that uh, you can trust them and uh, leave them to do the work and, and know that they'll get it done and that sort of thing? Or do you really believe that people are generally unmotivated, lazy, undependable? You need to watch them. You need to check up on them. You need to make sure they're doing the work. And uh, you really can't trust them to, to take care of things when you're not around. You know, where, where do you fall on those two ends of the spectrum? And generally, it's about 50-50. There are about half who, who, are, uh, who believe that people are generally motivated and, and trustworthy. And there are those who believe they're not motivated, they're not trustworthy. And what that drives is a change in leadership style, right? I mean, those who are uh, high trust, low control leaders certainly have a better experience with their employees. And, and I've seen that consistently. They treat them differently. They engage with them differently. And they have a greater potential to create high performance from their team. Those who are high control, low trust leaders consistently get low performance because they don't give people the tools to be able to contribute at higher levels. They hold them back. And so stance is the absolutely first thing that people need to look at. Be aware of your stance. So a leader who has the right stance can really generate a lot more performance from a team. Uh, the other thing is then if you are a, a low control, high trust leader, then what's the path forward? How do you more fully engage your team? And so there are a lot of good leaders out there who just simply don't know the path forward. And, and they've been fed a lot of bad information too about what motivates people and what generates higher performance. Like what? I mean, can you give me some examples sure. of what they're hearing that's wrong? Well, it's funny because I, I'm actually working on an article on that right now. So oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So there are, um, so I've, I've identified five myths that are very common and very destructive to the performance of a team, to the engagement of a team. I mean, ultimately, what determines high performance is the level of engagement of the team. And what determines the level of engagement is, by and large, the work environment that people find them, themselves in, the system, the work system that's created by the leaders. And so what are some of the myths that cause people to make bad decisions in their leadership? to create the, the system that holds people back. Well, one is that uh, in every job description, pretty much every leadership job description is at the top of the list, a leader's job is to motivate people. Well, there's, can, people, can people really be motivated by others or do they need to motivate themselves? And what happens when a leader tries to motivate people? What does that do to the relationship? Well, if... If we're trying to motivate people, the only way we can do that is with extrinsic motivators. And extrinsic motivators do not create a high-performing team. It's intrinsic motivation that creates a high-performing team. And that is a personal thing. 
That's something that has to come from within the individual. So that's myth number one. We have to counter that myth and instead say leader's job is not to motivate people. A leader, a leader's job is to create the environment that create the conditions that enable people to tap that inherent motivation that they bring to work with them before they start getting demotivated or learn to be demotivated as we've come to understand. Another myth is that people need or want to be motivated. And I can tell you, I've had groups of people that have asked this question uh, and that I've asked, uh, do they need someone to motivate them? And I can tell you, nobody's ever raised their hand. Do you want anybody <laughs> to motivate you? Nobody raises their hands. Leaders obviously believe they do not need to be motivated, but they do believe everybody else does. I can tell you, though, when I get a room full of people, frontline employees, and I ask them, do you really need somebody to motivate you? The answer is no, I don't need anybody and I don't want anyone trying to motivate me. Why? Because motivation is uh, trying to motivate people extrinsically is manipulative and nobody wants to be the object of manipulation. Huh. All it does is breed cynicism. So, so there are a couple of myths that we need to, to dispel. Uh, I'd say a third one is trying to motivate people as an effective leadership practice. And we know because it's manipulating, uh, it, it's not effective. Uh, it's, not a, it's, it's not a way to build a high-performing team. So here are a couple others I, I want to point out. Great. The best way, so I'm sure you've heard this, the best way to build a high-performing team is to clarify expectations and hold people accountable. Oh, my gosh. Right? Wait, what? <laughs> right. I mean, that's. Every time there's a problem, what happens? HR sits down with the leaders and says, look, you need to clarify expectations. You need to hold people accountable. That's the knee-jerk response to every team problem. And we know that's, that's silly. First of all, there's a question is, is it even possible to hold people accountable? I think that's another myth. That's another myth. And what happens when you try to hold people accountable? Well, first of all, holding people accountable is, is really about pressuring them. Yeah. It's, it's really about micromanaging, checking up on them, making sure that they're doing the things you want them to do. And what do you get from that? You get compliance at best. People yeah. want to keep their jobs. They'll comply with what they need to do to keep their jobs, but they're not passionate. They're not engaging at the highest levels. They're not personally committed to the success of the business or to the team. That's, that's not what's happening. And so um, so it's not effective, but the other thing is, can you really hold people accountable? Because once you start telling people, I'm going to make sure you get the job done, what have you done? You've just removed responsibility from the other person and you've taken it on yourself. You now have taken on the accountability. So you're accountable and the other person knows they're not, they know you're accountable and you're just going to pressure them into doing what, what, um, you want them to do. They get that. And, and they will comply if they want to keep the job. <laughs> but you won't get a high-performing team by any right. stretch. I've never seen it happen. That, that's so great. It's so true. God, I mean, you're talking about that, and I'm thinking about leader, quote, I'm using air quotes, leaders who I've known who um, are, are absolutely engaging in those behaviors and then wondering why it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. There's a, there's a better path forward. And, and if we're going to unlock higher productivity, 
we've got to use the keys of engagement. We, we know that Gallup has done a great job of helping us to understand that a little bit better. Uh, there are a lot of surveys out there about employee engagement. And you look at the Gallup survey, it probably it gives us the highest level of employee engagement of any of the surveys I've seen. Um, and it's like 30%, you know, or 30, yeah. 33% or something. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. So no matter how you look at it, disengagement is the, is the norm. Uh, you know, the vast majority of employees don't go to work passionate, excited to be there, committed to the success of the whole. I mean, you don't have that experience. And, and it's because they're not having an experience that engages them. So, so leaders, if they want to correct that, leaders have to change the way they're managing. They have to be aware of their stance. If their stance is high control, low trust, they need to change that stance or at least take a leap of faith and try something different. But uh, the path forward is to create the conditions that enable people to choose accountability. It's not holding people more accountable. It's creating the path that enables them to choose accountability. So can you talk about um, the six C's of engagement and in relationship to improving productivity? Absolutely. Right. The, um, so we've worked uh, for many, many years with clients, helping them to build high-performing teams, to turn around low-performing teams. And we've kind of boiled it down to a few things that we find really make the difference. Now, sometimes teams can be very uh, effective with some of those, not all of them, but we find if we have all in place, we have great results, we get great success. So those six C's of engagement are context, connection, uh, control, commitment, communication, and competence. So context and connection are um, really about awareness of why we come to work, what the point of it all is, why we matter, and how we connect with everything around us at work. So think of context as the big picture. You know, something like uh, understanding the, the business, the marketplace that we're in, and why we're in the marketplace, what customers want and expect from us, and how we stack up against the competition, and what it takes to succeed, what we have to do internally to, to be successful in the marketplace. And I like to liken it to a football team and, or any sports team for that matter, but think about a football team uh, that has a, a, a division that they, that they compete in and they know the standings, they know who all the other players are. And um, I worked for a company years ago, a magma copper company that had a total transformation went from, um, being on the verge of extinction to becoming a Wall Street darling. It was a, just a great experience working with them. And, and one of the things they did is it brought everybody uh, into a one-day course that finance they created where they talked about the, who the other mining companies were, who the other copper companies were, and recognized that, that Magma Copper was a mid-tier company. It was not in the top tier of the biggest companies. It was in a mid-tier, but... Um, uh, it had some strategic advantages. It actually had more, was able to refine copper to a, a higher level. So when they sold rod for wiring and things like that, they had a competitive advantage. They could command a premium price for that product. 
And a lot of things that, that employees just weren't aware of until they, they understood that. I uh, worked for a, with a, a pump company, a large industrial pump company that had people that created parts in different uh, facilities who didn't know what the final product was, never understood it until we brought people together and educated them. And suddenly the light bulbs went on. They, oh, you mean we're building a pump? <laughs> had no idea. You know, it's important for people to have context, understand what's at stake every time they get on the field, so to speak, and play a game. And we do a lousy job of that in most companies. So having the big picture, understanding what we need to accomplish when we come to work, what's important for us to do and why it's important. And then connection is how I as an individual connect with that bigger picture, with that context. So what is it that I need to do? How do I need to interface with my colleagues, my team members? And how does my team need to interact with other teams? That connection is critical for us to be able to work together and break down those silos and things that get in the way. Uh, so context and connection go hand in hand. If I'm a football player and we at, we're in the middle of a game, I've got to know that what I do matters and I need to know the game plan. I need to understand that when there's a broken play, there's a ball bouncing around the field that I don't just sit and wait or sit and pray that somebody will pick up the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a business person. I'm a team player. So I know that if I have an opportunity to act, I will act, either pick up the ball, jump on it, run with it, block somebody. I'll do something to help advance our team's success. Um, I'm not going to just stand idly by and hope somebody else does what needs to be done. That's what we need to have happen in our teams. And that happens when we have greater context and greater connection. So those are two good places to start. I think you, you have control is when you let people have the access to the resources they need. They have the freedom to decide how to do the work and, and how to manage it effectively. We, we give people greater um, commitment or opportunities to commit, personally commit, and choose accountability when we give them the control and we give them the context and connection, that's hard to do. It's hard to be, it's hard to choose to be accountable for something that you have no control over. Right. And yet we put employees in that situation every day. Uh, and we want greater accountability. We want greater commitment from them. That's just not going to happen unless we create the conditions that enable that. And the other things are supportive of that. You know, we, we have the um, uh, communications, knowing what's important, how to, what the metrics are, key metrics are that we need to pay attention to. How do we know that we're competing well in the marketplace, that we're succeeding as a team and as, a, as an organization or as a business unit? Uh, those key metrics, those communications are essential. And then competence, we talk about two things. Um, and one is having the broader knowledge and skill set uh, to be able to support the team's success, but also having the ability to manage and to work as a team effectively. So how do I integrate the managing and the doing of the work so that the team is more self-reliant and not dependent on the leader to, uh, to communicate all that needs to be done, how it needs to be done, all that sort of thing. The team needs to have the capability of doing that and operating successfully as a team. The leader is supposed to be creating the game plan and working with the team to to be able to execute. So those are, those are the six C's, essentially the things that if we have them in place and we, we manage those well, um, T 
teams are more engaged. Employees are more engaged and committed. And uh, we, we tend to generate extremely high performance, far more than we're, we thought we could get because we're doing things considerably differently. Boy, no kidding. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, and that's how you get to real accountability and real yep. ownership, right? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, it's like we say, this is what we want, but then we go at it in a way that doesn't get us what we want. Exactly. Yeah. We, we fight against ourselves. That's one of the challenges I think we have is you know, starting in business school, people take an organizational behavior class and they love it because it's a lot of fun. And uh, they learn a lot of these principles, but then they go to all the other classes that seem to contradict what they've been taught there. And they get into the real world and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of support for it because people don't understand it and they don't know how to apply it. So even when we have the right information, we don't always know how to apply the, it effectively in our teams. Um, and we have to be able to challenge things. You know, if we have, uh, if, we're, if we're trying to give people access to and control of the resources they need to perform at a high level, but we have an accounting system that demands three and four levels of sign-offs for every little thing, then we've got to understand that we're, we have a problem. The system is demotivating people. It's holding people back. Right. right? So, so it's a whole systems approach. We've got to look at the whole thing and what's, what's getting in the way not just what the immediate leader is doing. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform, and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. So I think that is is so key. And, and um, when you were talking about information, I, a question popped into my head about what information should a leader share with their team members? Is it everything? Is it need to know? You, you know, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Great question. And typically need to know is kind of the, the, the determinant for sharing information, right? It's, you know, we, we share things on a need to know basis. Yeah. Um, Here's, here's the way I look at it. You, when you look at most organizations, they're structured fairly hierarchically. Um, even though we try to work more in teams, we still are pretty hierarchical in most organizations. And what that means is that those at the top of the organization pyramid have access to all the information or most of the information. They don't necessarily have the information of what's going on at the front lines, but they have the bigger picture for sure. Um, they understand the big picture. They tend to understand context reasonably well. They have a lot of information about the business, the marketplace, what needs to be done, and what the customers are, are saying or needing. And they take that information and they share it to lesser and lesser degrees as we move down through the hierarchy. 
So ultimately, what happens? Well, those at the front lines of the organization, those that are doing the core work that are interfacing directly with the customers have the least amount of information and the least authority to make decisions, right? Which is a horrible situation, absolutely (laughs) horrible. They should have the most information. They should be fully equipped to deal with customer needs, customer problems, or changes and challenges in the core work. They should be able to deal with them immediately. So, So we have to change that. So the notion is, how do we how do we equip people with all the information? And, and, and so I'd go back to, let's forget the need to know thing. Let's say, let's say we're going to give em- employees all the information we can possibly give them. Obviously, there are some things that are confidential that we can't share. Get that. But those things are few and far between. Leaders need to be sharing everything. Their job is to transfer their expertise and knowledge to the team. And they can't do that if they're holding back constantly. They've got to be willing to open up, share everything, educate the employees, build their capacity to contribute at a higher level by having greater knowledge and understanding both broadly and deeply about the organization, the customer, the needs, and the things that need to do, they need to do to help the business succeed. I'm so glad that you said that. And, and do you think that if you don't give people all that information, they're going to fill the holes themselves and they're probably going to fill up with inaccurate information. Boy, what, what, what an insightful statement. Yeah. Question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we're, we're interesting creatures. We just seem to need to know or understand something. And, you know, we think about organizations that have a lot of rumors. Well, that's because they don't have a lot of information that gets shared. (laughs) And, and people want to understand and they'll take whatever information they can get and they'll piece it together the best they can. And they'll fill in those gaps to make sense of things. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that'll lead them to erroneous conclusions. They'll, they'll have the wrong information, bad rumors get spread. All those things happen simply because we're not sharing information openly enough. We're not transparent enough and organizations that want people to have deep understanding, deep levels of commitment, need to let go of holding back. They need to be transparent. They need to be open and share information. They need to be willing to have the tough conversations with employees. I had an example. I worked with an organization one time where they had a a CEO who was going to give all employee speech or all company speech. And they were cynical about it. I mean, I couldn't believe the level of cynicism from people. And I said, what is it about this speech that people are cynical about? And they said, well, uh, a number of years ago, this is a while back. It may have been eight or 10 years ago. It was some time ago. So the people who have been around a while remembered it. And they said, we had a rough year. And uh, at the end of the fiscal year, our CEO held a meeting like this, all employees, and said, we've had a rough year. It's been difficult. Everybody knows that. But boy, the future is bright. Next year, is we're, we're launching new products. We've got, uh, we've got customers lined up. We've got a lot of great things happening. It's going to be a great year. And we all have a lot to, to look forward to. And the, on the following Friday, so that was on a Monday, 
The following Friday, they laid off a third of the workforce. (laughs) Now, if there's no way that CEO did not know they were going to lay off a third of the workforce a few days later. (laughs) But I can tell you that was seared in the memory of the people who stayed in that organization who were able to keep their jobs. They did not forget it and they did not trust that CEO uh, and they commented openly that they said, you can't trust anything that comes out of his mouth. That's, that's so damaging, oh. right? That is so damaging in an organization. Transparency is key, is key. And I can and I'll contrast that with another organization that have been doing a lot of great things in the, in the workplace, trying to create a more engaging environment for people and, and having great success with it. But the marketplace had hit them pretty hard. And they were forced with a with a, a difficult decision. They felt like they were they were going to have to let some some people go. They're going to, have to lay some people off um, for financial reasons, and um, and they were despairing over that. And I said, "Well, are there other opportunities? Are there other ways to manage this?" You know, that's sort of the knee jerk response is, "You know, let's let's cut people." And they said, "Well, we really don't want to do it, but we're not sure what else to do." And I said, "Well, what if you brought people together? What if you had a conversation?" And so they opened up. They were transparent about it. They had union employees. They brought in union leaders, and they they were open about it. They were transparent and said, "Here's the situation." They opened it all up, opened up the books, and said, "This is what we, this is the decision that we're faced with, and we don't want to lay people off, but we have to find a solution. Can you help us?" And they did. They rallied together. They found uh, ways to, to reduce costs, to improve productivity. They found ways, to, uh, other ways that they could, they could finance uh, the, the short term and keep them going until things turned around a little bit. And, uh, and they were very successful with it. And I think the transparency is critical. And I had another organization. I worked with a finance group in a university and, and we, we, in a large group meeting with um, with support teams, we talked about the fact that the university was going through a difficult time and they were having major budget cuts. And it was an eye opener to most of the people in the room. They didn't know. And I said, why, why do people not know this more broadly in the organization? And a couple of people spoke up and they were in leadership position. They said, well, we weren't sure everybody needed to know. We didn't want people to just quit. We didn't want to damage their morale. And I said, you know, these, these are adults. These are not children. These are adults. How many of you appreciate knowing? And those who didn't know appreciate it. They said, yeah, we, we would like to have known because otherwise we just go about our business doing things the way we've always done them, not knowing that we need to be more frugal. We need to be more cautious about our spending right now. And, you know, we could delay some, you know, some uh, purchases or maybe buy in smaller lots over the short term. We can do some things differently, but we can't do that if we don't know the situation. Right. And I, I think that's the, the critical thing. If we don't share the information, if we're not transparent, we treat people like children, they, they can't respond in a way that helps us through the challenges. And then they end up being the ones who suffer the consequences. They pay the price. Yeah, yeah right, right. I had a similar situation with a company that... Um, had, had lost a huge client. And so for a period of time until they had replaced that client work, they, it was a small manufacturing company. They needed to do something. And they brought me in to say, okay, we have these 
old timers who may not be as productive as the new people, but they have seniority and we're not really sure what to do. And I said the same thing you did. I said, sit down with them, tell mm -hmm. them what's going on and then leave the, ask them to come up with ideas and leave the room yeah, and let great. them talk about it. And they did. The staff came up with solutions. So no one had to lose their job. They all pitched in and, and they made it through. And I feel like they were a lot more committed to the success of the decision because they were part of making it. Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Instead of having something done to them, yeah, they had the opportunity to co-create the response. Right. Yeah. Big difference. Right. Yeah. Big, big. And, and I feel like everything that you're talking about really comes back to trust. Right. If the, if the leaders trusted their people, they would share the information with them, which would help the people trust the leaders. And, and they need to understand what trust means. You know, so many people will say, well, I hired them. I, so obviously I trust them or I wouldn't have hired them. OK, well, that's the first step. But now what do you do after you hire them? A lot of people haven't really considered what it means in terms of my leadership practices how do I show trust and how do I enable people to trust me? How does that work? They don't really have a, a, a clear understanding of how to make that happen. And so they're doing things unknowingly that damage trust. Right. Right. All the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Boy, yeah. I, I love this information. I think this is so important for leaders all the time, but especially today because you know, they, they need uh, good, productive people to stay and help navigate, right? Absolutely. You know, we, there was a, a, a group that I worked with once that was just absolutely desperate for help. And uh, in fact, they, they called me in desperation when I was traveling, working with other clients and said, you know, can you, can you help? Can you be here tomorrow? Well, no, I can't be there tomorrow, right? I've got, I've got a week of other commitments outside of the area. Uh, but uh, but uh, they had major quality problems. They had major productivity problems. They, they had a customer threatening, major customer threatening to leave, which would have devastated the, the business. And, um, and when I, when I finally had an opportunity to meet with them, I sat down with the leader and I said, tell me about the, the organization and how people work and, you know, what it's like to work here and so on. And he told me that he was the only one who seemed to have any commitment to the business. He said he, he got up, uh, he came in every early, every morning, he looked at the, the workplace, he made sure everything was in place for the day. And he found a lot of things that hadn't been taken care of the night before. It was very frustrating for him. And uh, people just didn't seem to be fully engaged and committed. And, uh, and they made mistakes. And they tried to correct some of those mistakes by automating some of the process and bringing in robots and things like that. But it didn't seem to help. They still had lots of problems. And, um, and it was so bad that they were months and months behind um, and on, on delivery and they, uh, they had to, they had turned to turn something around very quickly. And what, what we helped him to understand is that he was choosing to, to have all the accountability, all the control. He wasn't open. He wasn't transparent about the business. He wasn't building the capacity of people in the business, wasn't teaching them. They didn't have the understanding he had 
and um, and he didn't trust them. He said, you know, they, they're not committed, so I can't really trust them. And I said, well, but why don't you trust them? What are they lacking? And uh, he said, well, they don't have the understanding I have. Of course, I understand that. Okay, what else are they lacking? Well, there's certain knowledge they need. Okay, are there any skills they need? He said, no, nah, they pretty much have the skill sets. Um, it's just really about understanding. I said, so what's the obvious solution to that? Share the knowledge, share the information, build their understanding, right? Be more open and transparent, communicate more information. I said, what about uh, progress? How do they know what the status of things is in the organization or how you're doing as a team? He said, well, we have a lot of data in this folder and it's buried like 10 levels deep in the hard drive. And I mean, you had to be pretty motivated to want to see that information. And I said, that's, that doesn't work. That's not the kind of communication that, that inspires a team. You have to make that front and center so people can see how things are going and they can make in the moment corrections. And so they made some changes there, but we also brought people together. We uh, educated, taught everybody, the whole system, uh, helped them to understand both context and connection that they worked in and how they helped each other and what some of the, key handoffs were and what had to happen in those handoffs and how to manage those more effectively so that they made commitments to each other. And we helped them to learn to uh, serve each other instead of compete against each other, creating an internal service culture in the interest of the end customer. And boy, that place turned around. I mean, they more than doubled productivity in about three months. And we're quickly catching up on the backlog and uh, did so well that the customer was thrilled with the progress and began to soften toward them and actually ended up uh, signing some new uh, agreements with them to have them do more work for the customer. So the customer was pretty happy. And that's, you know, ultimately that's sort of the determinant of success. The marketplace decides if we have a right to compete in it. (laughs) They set the marketplace sets the standards for everything. And we have to decide if we're going to make the changes that will enable us to be competitive and, uh, and thrive in that marketplace. And that means we have to have people that are engaged, that are committed and passionate about coming to work and finding better ways to do things and find better ways to serve the customer. Absolutely. Boy, I, I love that example. It, it is so valuable. I mean, this whole conversation is so incredibly valuable because it's really not a difficult thing to do. And it doesn't feel like it takes a lot of investment, uh, you know, financial investment in doing it. It's more of a mindset shift. You know, that's exactly right. I always say productivity is free. Yeah. yeah productivity is free. It, uh, it's, it's a matter of how you lead the system that you create, the conditions that you provide for people to work in. And that doesn't cost a dime. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really about all it's all about your stance about people and then how you apply the effective principles of low control, high trust uh, to enable people to contribute at higher levels. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Kevin, th- this is so great. I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me and explaining this and giving me examples and just really fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you, please? Absolutely. I've simplified it for people. So uh, you can go to the Ascent Management Consulting website uh, by uh, typing in the name of the company. It'll get you there. But if you just remember superchargemyteam.com, 
It's easy to spell. It's easy to remember. Superchargemyteam.com. It'll take you right to the website. We have articles in there, leadership and team performance articles that will help you. Uh, you'll find tools. In fact, there's a form right there that you can fill out, get a free tool that helps you with connecting your team members and building that service culture that we talked about. It's, it's really powerful. And I know you'll, you'll uh, appreciate it if you get a chance to do it. That's so great. I'll make sure that that website's in the, um, in the show notes as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.